Well, hi there. You are listening to the Title Town Podcast. My name is Austin Gay, and I am joined, as always, by the one, the only, Daniel Marhanka. Daniel, how's it going, buddy? It's going good. Every episode is another week closer to the start of football season, but Amen. We're, we're about a week and a half away from uh, preseason for the Packers uh, preseason opener, so mm-hmm. that's at least something to look forward to in the near future. Yes, for sure. Uh, we've started with practices. We just got to our first padded practice. Uh, I know that was something a lot of people were looking forward to, just seeing the guys get pads it's on, really, get a little more hitting. Yeah, it's really when training camp starts because, you know, the first, what is it, five practices, I think, in the new CBA are basically extensions of the off-season program. But right. what we've seen a lot since when LaFleur's been in Green Bay is they're still sort of doing two-a-days, with, you know, a practice in the morning, a walkthrough at night. I'm not sure how much they're doing it this year, but I know the first two years that has been such a big thing for them. And so it's, you know, the first five practices are usually a lot more laid back, a lot of installation stuff, a lot of review. And then, you know, I think it was about practice four or five, they started getting to their situational stuff, which is usually Mm -hmm. the next part and critical to training camp. So now that we're going to have a lot more pad of practices, and different things like that. This is where you're going to get your news. This is where you're going to hear if TJ Slayton is progressing. This is where you're going to hear how well the offensive line is playing and where the defense, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, practice without pads is really glorified seven on seven. The offense is going right. to win most of the reps. And mm-hmm. I think we even saw that with the first pad of practice, the defense had a lot better of a practice from the sounds of it just because they were able to be more physical they were able to get their hands on the ball and really play through so I'm excited you know I think uh as Packer fans will be glued to Twitter for the next few weeks as practices start to ramp up and you know we got the preseason game on the 14th I believe and then the Jets come in that next week so yeah it'll be be fun and we got family night coming up too we do have family night coming up and uh, LaFleur, I think he came a today, said that there might be live tackling. Mr. Anti-Tackling. Wow. <laughs> for the first time, <laughs> might have that, live tackling in a practice. That is, that is news. And I think we're going to have the most tension in Lambeau Field since 2008 Family Night when Rogers <laughs> got booed out of the building. <laughs> is that what happened then? Is that what happened in 2008? Because he talked about it as presser today, like how yeah. <laughs> that family night really. It, 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 well, you got to think the 2008 training camp. I mean, he was getting death threats and all kinds of stuff. You know, everyone yelling, bring back Favre. And so family night Gosh. was kind of the culmination of all that mm. of that summer. So I'm sure it was a fun time for him. But hopefully Packers fans learn from that and don't give Jordan Love any ill will. Or in I hope so. I hope so. Yeah, I'm more interested in seeing if they're going to be against Aaron. But I mean, in that what situation. We've seen, what we've seen from the early practices, and you were there for most of them, is that it was pretty warm welcome for mm-hmm. Aaron. And you know, the MVP yeah. chants, the cheering anytime he throws yes. the ball. So I was very surprised. I, I think we dodged a bullet. <laughs> yes, for sure. Well, uh, let's uh, let's just dive right into it, and we got a couple of things here to talk about that's happened since our last time recording. There was a couple of retirements that happened. Uh, Simon Stipenak, uh, offensive lineman, retired. And then Bailey Gaither, a wide receiver, just retired. Uh, Daniel, what are your thoughts on these retirements? Yeah, obviously, I mean, 
whatever's going on with the two, I definitely feel for them kind of, you know, putting a close, at least for now, never know if they'll come out of retirement because they were just placed on the list. So they have that option, but you know, it's tough to get into this league. So just the fact that they were able to get on a 90 man roster, you mm-hmm. know, and then obviously Simon was drafted. I think Billy was a undrafted yeah. free agent. Correct. So just the fact that they were able to crack a 90 man roster, which is so elite. And, you know, I think I, you know, for Bailey Gaither, at least, you know, a lot of people were talking about that guy being on the Packers practice squad this year from mm-hmm. the early signs of OTAs and the early signs of training camp that he really had a place on the practice squad. If you probably would have stayed it out. So, and I mean, who knows what um, the actual reasons are. I don't think we need to know at this point. Right. Um, but I definitely feel for those guys, but I mean, you got to be proud of them. They were green Bay Packers and they'll yeah, always absolutely. be remembered for that and have those memories. Absolutely. For sure. Best of luck to them and their, their future endeavors for sure. Any, uh, any thoughts, any thing that stood out to you from practices these last few days since we last recorded <laughs> a lot, actually, I would say the dominance of Elkin Jenkins. Oh yeah. For sure. Nobody can get around him. No one can get around him, and he's playing a new position almost on the daily. Right. What position can he not play? (laughs) Just saying. He can play every position on the offensive line, and even Matt LaFleur this week joked about putting him at tight end. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which which we already have an offensive lineman dash tight end in Dennis Mm -hmm. Kelly. So maybe that spot's already taken, but I think they're willing to He's might compete for it. (laughs) <laughs> he might compete for it, <laughs> but I would say, you know, obviously early in training camp, everyone looks like they're going to make the 53 man roster. And once, you know, the pads come on for a few weeks and we get those preseason games that will start to separate, you know, who's going to be a practice squad guy who needs to mm-hmm. you know, probably be cut, who is going to make the 53 man. So I think, you know, you're hearing a lot of good things about the wide receivers, you know, a uh, few people have said that EQ has made a good play almost every day. Funches is holding his own, you know, and then obviously you're having some injuries line up at linebacker with Randy Ramsey, which I think Matt LaFleur kind of indicated that it was a little more serious. And then yeah. Kamal Martin seemed to be a little beat up, but you know, there's a lot of exciting things. It's, and it's so great now because you know, a lot of guys are coming off the PUP. A lot of guys, you know, are going to start returning from the non-footballist uh, injury. So hopefully, you know, by next week, Zadarius comes back. Kevin King comes back. Today, actually, Josiah DeGuar was activated. So, you know, yeah. there's positive signs. And obviously, you know, uh, on the Josiah DeGuar note, people don't realize how involved he was those first few weeks. Mm-hmm especially in Minnesota, he had a killer game with setting blocks, getting out on the outside. And really, I think he is going to pick up a lot of snaps early on in training or in the preseason games, because I think, you know, Matt LaFleur, that was a hand-picked Matt LaFleur pick. 100%. From the sounds of it. So I definitely think Matt LaFleur, Nathaniel Hackett, Luke Getze, even Rodgers are going to get him right back to where he was with, kind of those creative H-back things that he does so well Yes, uh, in those first four games. And then, you know, I think what's intriguing, though, is uh, Patrick Taylor and Kylan Hill in the running back room. Will the Packers go with three running backs or will they go with four? Yeah. 
And it, from the sounds of it, you know, Patrick Taylor is the perfect mix of what Dylan and Jones bring. Yeah. He's power with speed. And I think mm-hmm. that will be so cool. But then I know Kylan Hill is just a freaking speed demon. So yeah. I'm excited. And obviously a lot of those guys success to the 53 man will start with special teams. So I'm mm-hmm. just really excited for the preseason. Obviously uh, I wasn't able to um, go watch any practices live. So kind of my fill will come through the preseason games. Right. Right. Oh, for sure. It, there's, it's very fun to, to think that there's going to be some interesting young guys and young threats on special teams. Hey, this year, all I'm, I'm going to say your I'm favorite excited. position group, <laughs> the offensive line. No, the special teams. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think the I think the linemen are are taking a special place in my heart right now. So oh yeah, for depth. sure. An interesting te- thing too with the linemen, with something that really stood out to me uh, on Saturday after their practice on NFL Network. Rogers yeah. had an interview with James Jones, and when James asked Aaron who has stood out to you so far in practice, his immediate answer was Josh Myers, the rookie yeah. center. That was a major major plug to give a young guy competing yeah. for that starting center position. And then earlier this week before said that he thinks Josh is going to end up being the, the starting center, yeah. which is fantastic. That is fantastic. And I think, you know, he's one of those guys that will probably have a lot of reps in the preseason games. Mm-hmm. You know, I doubt Aaron plays more than two drives, maybe the whole, preseason, if at all, if at all. And so him getting that rapport with the offense and Jordan love is going to be so fun to watch because, you know, I think of, I believe, I don't think it was 2013. I'm pretty sure it was 2014, the year of kind of Corey Lindsley and JC Treader. JC Treader gets hurt the week before the first game. And then Corey Lindsley's kind of thrown into the fire going into Seattle and just how well he composed himself. And so I think, you know, being a rookie center, you can really, I think it's one of those positions where you can be drafted and kind of thrown into the fire right away. And from the sounds of it, uh, from Aaron Rodgers press conference that him, he's giving Josh Myers like little nuggets almost every day. Like, Hey, watch out for this. Hey, yeah, this isn't something we've talked about in a meeting, but this is something you're going to have to watch for. And LaFleur is mm-hmm. doing the same thing. So I think it's so cool. I'm, I'm excited. I love the pick, you know, you obviously yes. they, they didn't really want to pursue re-signing Corey Lindsay because that mm-hmm. was going to be a pretty penny. So a draft, uh, drafting him from a good college where, you know, he's played in big games mm-hmm. is definitely going to be a great thing. And, you know, he's in between, I mean, on the left side, he can look to guys like Bakhtiari. He can look to Elkin Jenkins. He can look at a Billy Turner who's been in the league for so long yeah. and really just glean from those guys. He's not out there alone. And then uh, another note on the offensive line, kind of, as we're talking about it is, it's a new starting group almost every week. I yes. think, you know, between Tom Silverstein or the Andy Hermans of the world, they post, you know, who's the starting lineman right. every single day. And it's different, you know, Ben Braden, as was said by Matt LaFleur is going to get an opportunity to win a starting job. John mm. Runyon's played at a few different positions. Right. So I just think, you know, Josh Myers kind of getting that endorsement from Aaron and Matt early both very well for him to get that starting job. Yep. Absolutely. It was great. Uh, any, any, let's, let's go to pressers then Daniel, anything from any of the pressers that have happened this week with any of the players or, or Matt? 
Stand out uh, to you? <laughs> not for Matt, because I don't think he said a new thing. Oh, I, why did I even ask? <laughs> You're right. Matt doesn't say anything in his pressers. Yeah, but I, I would say, you know, Aaron. <laughs> Add another I, A+. Plus. Yeah, it's it's starting to become must-watch TV, but I really liked what he said about Joe Barry's defense. Yeah, that was very interesting. He said, and this is the quote, it's not like any of the other defenses I've ever practiced with. Guys are playing more free in various spots. And then he kind of brings up the story about how, you know, he didn't realize Darnell Savage was in the place that he was about to throw the ball. And it's just making him think and contemplate a lot more before throwing the ball. And Mm -hmm. I know Jair had a big interception the other day on a play where he was running a go route with Funchess, I believe. And so Rogers goes to the other side. And then Jair Alexander comes out of nowhere and makes the play. So yeah, you know, he said, you know, there will are the guys are playing more free in various spot, and he likes the energy Joe Barry brings. So it's just one of those things where the Packers have a lot of playmakers on defense, and Joe Barry's number one goal and responsibility should be getting those playmakers in the spots to make plays. I think that's mm-hmm. what killed the Packers defense so much last year is they they played good solid defense for most of the game they were just you know in a lot of big games missing that you know key big play you know that right. key stack that key interception that key battered uh pass defense you know those are the things that are missing and i think those are the things that joe barry wants to emphasize as well as just disguising the coverage so mm-hmm. i think that's really cool what aaron said and i also love what aaron said about dom capers as he said you know the first few years of Dom, he always sent zone blitzes, and then after that, it kind of got predictable. That's not, <laughs> that's not a verbatim quote, but that's basically what he said. And I just love that he took a shot at Dom Capers. Because <laughs> people have to realize, like, in 2009 and some of 2010, that team was carried by defense, and it was because mm. they were blitzing and aggressive. But then, you know, obviously the talent kind of got depleted after those few years. And, of course, the – the thing that I always say is that the Packers franchise changed week two of the 2011 season when Nick Collins played his last down because that yeah. team would have been that team would have won at least two more Super Bowls if Nick Collins was healthy. Yeah, that's a is bold, your, state, that's a bold yeah. statement, but I'm just telling you, is he your favorite Packer you've ever watched play? You know, in your I, lifetime, you've gotten to watch is he your favorite Packer. I would say so, man. He was different. You love Nick Collins. It was so telling last year. I think it was during training camp when Aaron Rodgers said if uh, he wouldn't have got hurt, he would have been a pro football hall of famer. Do you remember him saying that? Yes. Because I remember texting you right after that happened and being like, that's what I've been saying like half of my <laughs> life, dude. He was an absolute stud. And so yes. I know we were talking about the Aaron Rodgers presser and it somehow came back to Nick Collins. So I'll just shut up now. But I'm just no, saying it's it's all good. Health, if he was healthy, the Packers would have at least nine Lombardis. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, it's all it's all good. I, you know, he's your favorite player. So it was good to, you know, let you have that spot to talk about him. Hey, the I thing that stood out to, to me the plug. 100%. The thing that stood out to me from Aaron's presser today was just how positive he spoke about jo- Jordan Love and talking yeah. more about their relationship and how he called Jordan during the offseason several times 
And what I what stuck stood out was just to say that he was thinking about him. Yeah, you know, just wanted to reach out to him, and then also letting him know where Aaron was in his mind space about you know possibly retiring and all that. So yeah. I think it's very interesting to see to hear that to hear how close yeah. they are. And what was so cool is that he said, you know, it's something I wish I would have had. Yes, that was so fascinating with Brett, and it it really is awesome that he took that time to really. Um, go through that because I think he was left guessing quite a few off seasons if he was going to mm-hmm. be the guy or if he wasn't going right. to be. So I think that's really just shows his leadership and how he is different from Favre because he gets compared to Favre very often. Mm-hmm. And so for him to kind of um, separate himself from that was really cool. Oh yeah, for sure. And then, you know, Again, like you said, just showing Jordan kind of where he is and not leaving Jordan out and Jordan keeping that private. You know, like I just I think that's fantastic. Yeah. We actually we'll get to hear from Jordan tomorrow. So it'll be interesting. I'm sure you know the reporters are gonna ask follow-up questions on that and that is relationship. It? I didn't yeah. know. Yeah, he's spo- yeah, yeah. We'll have to tune into that. hundred percent. So that's that's a good little teaser for you if you listen somehow hear this before that presser. But <laughs> that is happening. Uh yeah, it's just hearing him talk about Jordan and that relationship, I think is fantastic. And I think it's gonna help Jordan in the long run. Like you said. Yeah. Uh trying to think, is there anything else from the pressers? Looking at my notes. I think we pretty much covered everything. I think uh, the other last... oh, go ahead. I was gonna say the last thing I have on my notes here, kind of the fun thing over the weekend was David Bakhtiari got Aaron a golf cart. <laughs> and every day since Aaron has been riding it to and from practices, which has been hilarious <laughs> to see. Yeah. I think, I think it was Barstool posted the video of Aaron driving through the streets of green Bay and saying, town <laughs> could do this or something. So <laughs> it, it's, it's wild. I think, you know, obviously last year when the video surfaced of Aaron sitting in the back of a pickup truck, with a 24 pack of Bud Light really showed just what Green Bay is all about and how much mm-hmm. he has love and adapted to the culture. So him just driving yes. through his golf cart, uh, driving <laughs> in his golf cart, terrorizing <laughs> the streets of Green Bay is really something. Yep. And it's just so funny to see the videos of the fan. I think it was yesterday. He was waiting at the gate to get back into the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> so fans were just huddled around him. It was ugh, it was fantastic. So hopefully that that becomes a permanent thing. And yeah. riding that golf cart around. And it was also kind of a long running story from Aaron being on the Pat McAfee show and David Bakhtiari going on the Pat McAfee show and talking about the <laughs> gifts they've given each other. And this like weird like they're you could tell they're close, but they like razz each other. And it was like, oh well, da- David has to get Aaron a legit gift because I guess Aaron bought David a, a jet ski and has bought him all these other nice gifts, which quarterbacks typically do for, for offensive linemen. And so now David has repaid it in the form of a golf cart that Aaron gets to enjoy in Green Bay. David might be one of my favorite players, just personality-wise. Awesome. He is awesome. He is – he's such – I love kind of what the Green Bay Packers have become because I felt for a long time no one really showed their personality in Green Bay. It felt mm-hmm. like a very robotic system, but I feel like now – with kind of, I think it happened right when kind of the Smith brothers came in, everyone kind of came into their own. Everyone right. started really exercising their personalities. And honestly, the last two years of Green Bay football have been really fun. And a lot of it yes. is just how personality driven it's been. 
whether that's on the defense and the the D train, you know, the dance that they do after a turnover or a big play mm-hmm. and just different things like that. Like this team is so fun to watch and they're all lovable. None of them are really villains. You know, I think a lot of them are just loved and respected around the league. So it's just so cool yep. to kind of see that going on. For sure. For sure. Well, Daniel, when I get into uh, a segment that I've been looking forward to bringing back topic of the week, I've been looking forward to do that for a while. I thought I thought we buried that. I thought we put this the second. Well, guess who just resurrected it? Guess who just (laughs) resurrected it? Brought back from the dead. Topic of the week this week is uh, training camp battles that we're looking forward to. Watching play out as the preseason goes on, as we start to get to these roster cuts and getting down to the fifty-three man roster, it's going to be super interesting to see play out. The first one I wanted to talk about here is wide receiver. Okay. I like it. Definitely super interesting. Go ahead. No, you go, you go for it. I want to hear it. Okay. I have, I have have a lot of thoughts. I want to, I want to let you go first. Okay. I'm just going to list off some of the wide receivers here. And and I think it's going to be interesting how this is going to play out. Obviously Devontae, MVS, Lazard. Randall Cobb, Amari Rogers, Funchess and EQ. I think that's the interesting spot there. Will one of them make it? Both of them make it? Who who makes it? Uh, I think it's ultimately going to come down to who uh, quarterback slash general manager slash uh, team photographer Aaron Rodgers <laughs> wants to stay, who he vouches for, Funches or EQ, or maybe they keep them both. Yeah, I think either Funchess or EQ is going to be cut. I really do. If not both. Who, because Both? Okay. Just because of Funchess being a veteran, so he's not really probably going to want to play special teams. I'm not saying that he's not going to, if that means a roster spot. It's just you. He's been practicing with them. He's been practicing really? it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just one of those things where a veteran, you know, usually doesn't do anything like that. Yeah. Of course, you know, last week I mentioned the Equinemia St. Brown quote before college of saying how he doesn't play special teams and hasn't mm-hmm. really, you know, I think he has one of the lower snap counts of the younger guys in special teams. But then I look at a guy like Malik Taylor and Jawan Winfrey, guys who mm-hmm. have nothing to lose, who are basically, you know, at least for Winfrey, every practice making a huge play, whether that's with Rogers with the ones or with love with the twos. Is is when is Winfrey the 2021 Jake Kumaro as far as like the camp favorite? <laughs> well, he hasn't had his Rogers endorsement yet. If Rogers, Not yet. if he gets the Rogers endorsement, then he definitely will be, but that will also mean he will definitely be cut. <laughs> within 24 hours <laughs> from from past uh records but i think you know malik taylor and Jawan winfrey probably are more willing to play special teams and i'm not saying you know that e- funches and eq can't win a spot without playing special teams i'm just saying if you're looking at building you know your team you need a few wide receivers to be able to contribute and obviously Amari Rogers and Randall Cobb will probably contribute as far as kick returners, but you're probably going to want a gunner to come out of that position group as well, mm-hmm. especially yep. depending on who they keep at 
defensive back. And I think, yep. you know, it's getting really crowded. I remember a few summers ago, the real talk was the Packers are going to keep seven wide receivers. They ended up keeping six, I believe. And then last year, the talk was, oh, they're going to keep six and they keep five. And I think when you're looking at the wide receiver group, it's a ton of talent. This is a great problem to have. You have yes, Funches, 100%. Who's a, great, who's a great veteran, but also has an injury history and sat out all last year. You have Equinemius St. Brown, who feels like has always just been a step away from having a breakout season. I think, mm-hmm. you know, if you would have told me who would have broken out, who would have had a breakout season first a few years ago out of MVS and EQ, I thought EQ would have probably. Yeah, you're really high on EQ. But MVS really, like, I think he solidified his spot last year, just the yeah. way he played. I think he would. I think he was even more true number two than Lazard at times. I know Lazard mm-hmm. gets a lot more snaps just because of his ability in the run game to block as a wide receiver is really something that I think LaFleur loves. And then obviously yeah. you're not cutting Randall Cobb because he's he was a trade piece and Aaron Rodgers' number one friend. And then Amari mm-hmm. Rodgers, you spend a third-round pick, you're not cutting him. So right. I think it does come down to those four and Devin Funches, Equinamia St. Brown, Malik Taylor – and Jawan Winfrey. And it just depends on, you know, do they keep four tight ends? Do they keep, you know, four running backs, different things like that. I think mm-hmm. really shake out if they keep five or six. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, in EQ, I mean, as you mentioned earlier, I mean, he's been making plays every day. Yeah. And Funches has too. Yes. I, I think all, I mean, the one who has been a little quiet has been Malik Taylor. It's mm-hmm. something that I haven't heard, I haven't heard his name a lot, but he was a key special teamer last season. Yeah, but you know he's not getting the buzz that Winfrey, St. Brown, and Funchess are getting. So right. I, I just I don't see them keeping any more than six. I even find it really hard to think of them keeping six at this point. Right, and I'm glad you mentioned it too. At tight end, do they keep four tight ends? Because I yeah. think another an aspect of this is is Jay Sternberger. And where they yeah. do him, do they keep him and they use him as a receiving threat? You know, is he a you know, cut candidate? I mean, he could potentially, you know, it could come down to EQ, Funches, and Sternberger, interestingly yeah. enough. Yeah. So that's something, I mean, you know, as the roster construction is just so much fun. It is a lot of fun. I think, you know, maybe we'll come out with, you know, some projected 53 mans once training camp progresses a little bit, maybe on Twitter or something. But yeah. it is just a little too early to see because I think we're going to have to see it in the preseason, you know, yes. that game, you know, a lot, obviously preseason doesn't mean anything to a lot of people. It doesn't mean anything to a lot of fans and it doesn't mean anything to a lot of players who have their spot solidified, but these players who are fighting for their jobs and they know it always come out to play. And there's always a breakout receiver. I think that's the reason Darius Shepard got a job. Uh, yeah. What was it? Two years ago was from mm-hmm. his great preseason performance. I think, you know, different guys like that have really solidified their position on the 53 man or on the practice squad through um, preseason games. Right. For sure. Uh, the next position group I want to look at is going to be corner. Specifically that number two spot. It's going to be interesting to see when Kevin King comes back and will Eric Stokes win that job? Yes, that is very interesting. And I think 
it, it depends on how much longer Kevin King's out. I have a really good feeling that he'll be back in a week or two because of Gutenkens basically saying that, you know, no one on the non-football injury list was a long-term thing. So, you know, mm. give him two, three weeks after the start of camp. I really think they can make it. But the longer King's out and the more of uh, his footing Stokes gets, I think it will be harder and harder on King. But also, uh, I heard a few people say that Josh Jackson's having a uh, yeah is having a good camp kind kind of quietly. Obviously, mm-hmm. I think he's definitely a guy kind of going after his job at this point. Slot corner, I think Shannon Sullivan's going to cover that most. Yeah. The time also, you know, different things that we heard too is moving Jair to slot, moving Darnell to the slot, and also, so you never know what the slot corner is going to look like. But I would say Shannon Sullivan's pretty much won that job, but definitely the number two corner position is up for grabs. I would say it's Kevin King's job to lose at this point. I think right. he has a, a decent grasp on it. If Eric Stokes can't just come out and light up the world, but It's been really interesting with 12 kind of saying, you know, I'm going after him a little bit because he's covering Devontae so much right now. Right. And so what a great way to learn. You're learning. You're going against the best quarterback and the best wide receiver in the league. Yeah. And I think that's what's really encouraging is that, you know, he's not winning every rep, obviously, but he's holding his own enough Mm -hmm. to where, you know, he's making some noise with the uh, team. Yep. Yep, for sure. Interesting battles. Any any other uh, quick positions you're looking out for? Uh, I would say, you know, the offensive line, I think, as far as what, what we'll see week one in New Orleans is really interesting. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, probably that Wednesday practice before the Saints game will be when we know what it will look like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because right now it's just too early. It's changing too much to kind of get a feeling. Um, but I'm excited for that group. I think, you know, I've been on Twitter talking a lot about the depth of that group and how, you know, you really can't go wrong in a lot of those positions. I think obviously the tackles are a little bit more critical, but I Mm -hmm. think the interior, whether, you know, you're going to move Elton back into left guard or if he's going to play a tackle spot, then you have a guy like Ben Braden, you have Lucas Patrick, you have John Running Jr. Uh, where are those guys going to fit into this equation? And then what will it look like when David Bakhtiari gets back, you know, whether that is in camp, which is highly unlikely, or later in the season? Yeah. Uh, interesting point that you said the offensive lineman, and I didn't get to mention earlier, is Brian Gutekunst like the GOAT at drafting offensive lineman? Yeah, I think he is, and he doesn't have to – uh, waste it on super high picks. Like now a lot of these great players have been drafted in rounds three or higher mm-hmm. or lower, I should say. And so that is just absolutely, it's a great skill to have. I think it's a skill that Ted Thompson had as well of just finding these guys, you know, round five, round six, you know, and just finding key starters and contributors through that. And also finding decent free agents for not bad rates i think a rick wagner last year was definitely not you know a definitely not a minus on your offensive line you know finding billy turner a few years ago finding you know a guy like jared valdeer 
for the 2019 playoff run and was supposed to be the 2020 playoff run before he got COVID. So, mm-hmm. and, uh, and then Dennis Kelly this year. Yeah. So I think, you know, he's definitely been active. He knows that, you know, tackles are a little bit harder to draft, but you know, I think he's done a tremendous job in the interior offensive line. Yep. Absolutely. Well, I mean, Daniel, we got some fun stuff ahead. We got family night, like we said, coming up this weekend and then get into the preseason games and the cut downs and, oh, buddy, we got a lot, we got a lot of fun ahead. Hey, football season is here. Daily updates are everywhere. Stories change by the hour. Mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers is a photographer, general manager, football <laughs> player, maybe wide receiver by the end of this. I'm not sure. Who knows? Any job he wants in Green Bay, Wisconsin, he's pretty much going to have it at this point. <laughs> for, this, for this year and this year only. <laughs> for this year only until he gets traded. Uh <laughs> Jeez. Okay. Well, uh, Daniel, let's get out of here. Shall we? Where can people find you on the internet? People can find me at Twitter, uh, at Daniel Marhanka. Where can people find you at on the internet, Austin? You can find me on Twitter as well at Austin A. Gann. You can also follow at Title Town Post. We did a little uh, rebranding of the social accounts uh, for the podcast, just because we're doing a lot more than just the podcast. We're tweeting yep. updates, opinions. We're live tweeting practices, and we're going to live tweet preseason games. So plenty of content. So, Title Town Post, follow it on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and uh, and keep up with us. With yep, and plenty then, of and great also, content there. Also, a great thing is is that it's completely free because it's on the interwebs. It is on the interwebs, therefore, it is free. <laughs> Gotta love it. Also, be sure to follow the podcast on your podcast platform of choice, wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave a review as well. Really appreciate that, please. Uh, leave a five-star review on the Apple Podcast if you like it. If you don't like it in protest, leave a five-star review. <laughs> <laughs> so you can do that put, as well. Be a friend, I, tell a friend. Hey, put I hate you guys and then a five-star review. Please that do. Work for us. That will work for us. Yeah, just give us the five star review, please. Uh, be a friend, tell a friend. Uh, until next time, see ya. Adios. <laughs>